Hello and welcome everybody to the Great Inflation versus Deflation Debate Part 8 Half-Truisms, which is Nate's response to uh, the last video that uh, Nate or that Vox had put out. Um, for those that are interested, the uh, link to the article will be in the description below, um, and also there's playlists put together on BitChute and YouTube if you want to just watch this as one whole thing. Uh, obviously this is Part 8, I think it goes to Part like 13, so um, if you're seeing this before the whole thing is out, uh, you got... You might have to wait a little bit before it's all out, but anyway, that's your little blink, uh, little thing. But let's get into the video. Great debate, half truisms. There are those who say uh, that he cure for. There are those who say that the cure for inflation is deflation, and there are those uh, that, though they are few, say that the cure for the man who has been run over by a motorcycle is to have that same motorcycle motor car run him over in the opposite direction. Ludwig von Mises lecture on inflation, 1968. That's actually impressive. Uh, broad definition, narrow definition. It's readily apparent that the broad definition is what I am referring to here, but one must remember that I am actually no longer using Mises' definition at all, I'm defining money as it relates to commodity competition, not its nature. I call it fiat money because, not because it has government force behind it, but because it is the government force that makes the commodity win the commodity competition and therefore become the money. Credit money does not exist at all in the physical form and thus competition in the compete in the competition that is not actual money. As you have noticed by now, there are these responses are coming slower and slower. That is because by the very nature of the problem, as we drill down more and more, uh, remedial teaching is required, and there is knowledge base that is required to understand these points, and we must first make sure that the reader has it. So as is my way, I will begin to explain some concepts. Oh, I know what uh, borrowing is superficially, but nothing about money is superficial. When one takes out a loan, he has time-shifted purchasing power. He has taken purchasing power from his own future and moved it to the present. This creates a corresponding reduction in the purchasing power in the future, which is larger than the amount he moved. The difference is the interest. The mechanism for this is a promise to pay. Is this clear? Uh, you don't have the money now, but in the future, and you will, and you promise to pay it. Mises and Vox point out that the time shift isn't actually the miracle here. The miracle is that the credit money created by this time shift is ex accepted exactly like actual money. No flux capacitor required. Uh, what is important to note and what Vox is missing is that when the credit money is created by time shifting uh, like this, it is not considered inflationary. Uh, the interest is the reward to those who have saved and it is all washed out in the end. The interest rate, which is the price of time shifting money, fluctuates as demand for time shifting increases and decreases, and that all by itself my, mitigates the boom and bust cycle created by lending. As more people borrow, the price of borrowing goes up, bringing the number back down. As fewer people borrow, the price is lower, so more people will borrow, bringing the number of borrowers back up. What we find we find a happy medium when the interest rate is moved around, but the purchasing power is relatively stable. The risk banks take when leveraging money is also uh, also influences that price, which we call the interest rate. All this works together nicely, which is why 
when Mises talks about inflation, he always uh, talks about government. This is how it's supposed to work. Uh, when it works like that, we can look at the amount of money in a given account that exists above and beyond the deposits in the account, and we call it credit money. Because it exists above and beyond the deposits in the account, it has no physical representation. The coins or dollar bills do not exist. I need you to be clear on this. I have a checking account which says 4500 or $45,000 on it. If I go to the bank and ask them for 45000 in cash, they will laugh in my face. However, uh, debit cards are swiped and the credit money is accepted, except exactly like cash is accepted. This is a miracle, uh, and it's a miracle of faith. But what about the business cycle, you ask? Well, things are always going to move around a little because price is a reactive force. But in order to create a large fluctuations that really do damage, well, you need the government for that. And when you have a government interference, you have what Vox calls the broad definition of fiat money. So now that we understand borrowing and lending, we can discuss what is wrong. And what is wrong is the central bank. Central banks create the link between savers and lenders. Rather than the deposits being the source that creates the leverage, you now have the central bank that is merely using the deposits to rationalize its decision to expand credit. The deposits of savers are reduced to mere justification. Central bank sits on high and manipulates the interest rate, which eliminates its ability to migrate the booms and busts of the business cycle. Then on top of that, the evil bastards uh, then set themselves up as the credit gods passing out of credit uh, as they see fit, attempting to manage an economy every bit as much as the communists ever did and failing just as spectacularly. If you get nothing else, I hope the, and pray you grasp that. I also need you to understand that you cannot have the central bank if you don't have a government interference interfering to create one. The interference in the market alone is enough to meet Mises' standards of a broad definition of fiat money, which if Vox has, uh, which if Vox had bothered to ask, I would have explained. So if you are made, so if you've made it this far, you know now realize that money in your checking account doesn't actually exist. It's not the banks uh, just don't keep that much cash stored. There isn't that much cash in existence, not even close. So now that terrorists struck sunk in what is the urge that you're squelching down right now is it the urge to go borrow more money or is it the urge to go and get your cash and stick it under your bed exactly now you see why vox's measure of the money supply is incorrect m1 is the real money m2 and tsm2 are close approximations of the purchasing power currently available although obfuscated through shenanigans. Z1, <clears throat> well, Z1 is just a measure of claims on money. It doesn't reflect a limit on the new uh, future claims. At best, it can serve as an indicator of how much new credit money is being created. Z1 will never be able to show deflation. That's because Z1 doesn't show credit limit. It shows credit balance. Uh, see, if I have $5,000, a $5,000 credit limit on my credit card, and I owe 5000 then my credit card is showing up as 5000 on the Z1 report. If my if I pay my credit card down to a balance of 2000 then my credit card is showing up as 2000 on the Z1, which Vox would say is a reduction in purchasing power of $3,000.
that is incorrect. My high credit score, uh, my high credit is still 5000 I can go spend 3000 in credit money anytime I want to. Z1 is certainly a valuable tool, but it is a limited one. Now, uh, as has been said, one cannot print borrowers. So if the rate of credit growth is slowing or going down instead of up, you can it can mean bad things. For example, the delivery system of new credit can be interrupted. That said, if one considers the nature of financial of the financial abomination that we have before us, I can certainly not fault Vox for going that way. However, it is not where I go. So cash is what you want. The whole reason credit money works is because there is a faith-based link from the credit money to direct, directly to cash. Thus, the money right now is cash. What you're seeing is precisely what happens happened in the Great Depression. People wanted their cash. They hid it inside walls and buried it in its jars. Banks collapsed, destroy, banks collapsed destroying a massive amount of credit money, but folks still wanted their cash. But Vox fails to recognize a critical underlying difference between uh, then and today. He looks at those in control of the government and the central bankers, and he sees them expanding credit. He understands the system better than almost everyone, including the central bankers, and thus he uses that understanding to predict how the system will behave. He expects it to behave in the way it behaved in the 1930s, but there is something happening further down on a deeper, more basic level that Vox is failing to recognize that is different uh, in... Uh, that is the difference. It was only in recognizing the difference that I retroactively understood Mises' error in categorizing money. Before we go there, we need to uh, back up on one more time. Nah, we need to back up one more time to subjective value theory. Remember last time I reminded you that subjective reasoning are still reasons, right? Well, that's one aspect of SVT, uh, but there is another more basic aspect, and that is we measure value comparatively. We compare the value of this to the value of that. Let's look at a standard ruler. How long is it? It's 12 inches. Exactly. Now, what are we, what if we redefine the length of an inch so that each inch is actually smaller? Buddy, how, how uh, the ruler is 20 inches long, but the ruler hasn't grown. The subjective way we measure the ruler has changed. Are we clear on that? The ruler's physical characteristics did not change. How we measured it changed. So, Nate, uh, how are we, now are we ready to move forward? No. No, I have to take you back to the competition be which Vox, to his peril, ignores. So we have these commodities battling it out in a competition of demand, not supply. Demand, the one m most in demand wins and becomes the money. Demand is key, and people want that commodity. They want it badly, and everyone knows that they want it badly. So because everyone knows that they want that commodity badly, everyone knows that they will be able to trade that commodity. They have faith... Uh, faith friends uh, that they will be able to exchange that commodity in the future for other goods and services they require. That's all goods and well if we're talking about something like gold or platinum or silver people want it because of what it is and what it is does not change but fiat money well they want it because of all manner of government related enchantments if we if it weren't for those enchantments then Oh, enhancements. Correction. If it weren't for all of those enhancements, uh, they wouldn't want it at all. But those enhancements exist so long as the 
people have faith in the government, and that is why I define it as fiat money. There is much more to say, but I fear I've given you too much to digest already. I will be addressing the key differences between today and the Americas of the 1930s in my next post in this debate. Um, like I said, uh, video in the description or uh, link in the description to this, and uh, see the full playlist on my BitChute and YouTube. Thank you guys for listening. Goodbye.